You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to What's New with Wired. It's Monday, December 5th. I'm Zeke Robison. Today we're talking about how the stigma against processed food is growing, but there's no way to sustainably feed 8 billion people without it. Make sure to listen to the end to find out what other Wired podcasts you can check out today. The word processed has become something of a slur. Say processed food, and most of us picture unhealthy, cheap junk. Fresh food straight from the garden or the field is good. Once we've put it through a processing plant or a laboratory, we've removed its halo qualities and added a bunch of bad ones. That means meat substitutes are no better than junk food. But this perspective is short-sighted. We're not going to feed billions a nutritious diet sustainably without food processing. The growing backlash against processing is one that neither people nor the planet can afford. Processed food is more than Coca-Cola, dairy milk chocolate, and ready meals. Most plants and animal products go through some form of processing to convert them into something that we can and want to eat. We mill grain into flour to make bread. We butcher and debone animals to get meat. We pasteurize milk. Processed foods have brought us countless benefits, many of which we quickly forget. Iodized salt is just one example. Iodine deficiencies used to be common across the world, leading to increased risks of stillbirths and miscarriages, significant reductions in IQ, and reduced cognitive development. Most of the world now consumes salt with iodine added, and many countries have eliminated this deficiency. By adding nutrients to food, we've been able to address a number of other micronutrient deficiencies. We've been able to preserve food and increase its shelf life, reducing food waste. We've reduced the spread of foodborne diseases. Those with food allergies and intolerances can now eat a balanced diet. We don't need to spend the day preparing food. This has been particularly important for the educational and career development of women. Last but not least, taste. Our shelves are now lined with great-tasting foods. Of course, when people talk about processed food, they're often talking about ultra-processed food, or UPF. These snacks and prepared meals are designed to have a longer shelf life and be more convenient and palatable. Corporations work hard to find the Goldilocks flavor profile we can't resist by adding sugar and fat to make food as tasty as possible. 
Many describe these finely tuned combinations as addictive. It's true that increased consumption of ultra-processed food has been linked to poor health outcomes. It has been associated with lower consumption of essential nutrients, such as vitamins C, D, and B12. The more of these foods we eat, the more likely we are to be overweight or obese. This puts us at higher risk for health conditions like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and cancer. Ultra-processed foods are easy to overconsume. The problem with most UPFs is that they are higher in calories, sugar, and fat, and they're lower in protein and fiber, the nutrients that keep us full. But this isn't inherent to food processing itself. What matters is what corporations add to our food. They can create healthier foods if they want to, or if we demand it. The growing backlash against meat substitutes. One area where I see the biggest backlash against processing is with meat substitutes. These products try to emulate the experience of meat and include plant proteins such as soy-based sausages, impossible and beyond meat burgers, proteins made from fermentation such as corn and lab-grown meat. Passionate meat eaters and vegans don't always see eye to eye, but they do often agree that natural is best. Vegans push back against meat substitutes because they'd rather people go straight to natural plant foods like peas, beans, and lentils. Meat eaters push back on these products for their artificiality, calling them frankenfood. Headlines critical of these foods go something like this. People have told you that meat substitutes are super healthy, but they're lying to you. So are meat substitutes better for your health, or are they part of an elaborate con? Well, healthy compared to what? Are they better than meat equivalents? Are you better off going for an impossible or beyond meat burger than a beef burger or a soy-based sausage over a pork one? Possibly. I crunched the numbers on the nutritional profile of meat substitute products and compared them to meat. To their credit, meat substitutes tend to be lower in calories and saturated fat and higher in fiber. To their detriment, some are lower in protein and, importantly, often contain lower quality protein, meaning they contain less of the essential amino acids that we need. When it comes to sodium, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Substitute burgers tend to be comparable to beef. Substitute sausages look bad, but they contain less salt than their pork equivalents. Many substitute products are now fortified with vitamin B12, iron, and calcium. The Impossible Burger actually has more B12 and iron than beef. Many plant-based milks are fortified too. On balance, they're probably a bit better for our health than their meat equivalents. Are they better than whole plant-based foods? Less likely, but possible, depending on the nutrients you're trying to optimize for. They are higher in protein and have micronutrients added that plants don't have much of, such as vitamin B12, but they are also higher in saturated fat and salt. However, this showdown between natural plant foods and meat substitutes is kind of beside the point. People who want a whole plant-based diet aren't the target for these products. If people want to switch to plant proteins such as peas and lentils, great. But this group is a minority. What meat substitutes offer is an easy swap for people who want meat-like meals. Many want an experience similar to meat. Substitutes try to give them this without killing animals and without the high environmental cost of farming meat. To have a chance of meeting our global climate targets, ending deforestation, and protecting the world's wildlife, we need to eat much less meat. Both plant foods and meat substitutes have a much lower carbon footprint, use much less land, and cause less water pollution than meat. The environmental toll can be 10 to 100 times lower than that of beef or lamb. Meat substitutes are our best shot at feeding the world without destroying it. 
the backlash to these products is counterproductive, and the blanket dismissal of such foods as ultra-processed isn't helping. Most are defined as ultra-processed based on the methods used to produce them. But if we list the reasons UPFs are bad for our health, meat substitutes have almost none of those qualities. They are generally not high in calories. Most are lower than meat. They have less saturated fat, almost no added sugars, and are higher in fiber. What they do have are additives. Impossible Foods add them to give its burgers a juicy meat-like texture. Many companies add binding agents and preservatives to extend their products' shelf lives. People get freaked out by lists of ingredients they don't recognize, but the notion that how pronounceable something is can determine whether we should eat it is not scientifically sound. You can probably pronounce lead and mercury, but I don't recommend seasoning your dinner with them. This is still an area that needs more research, but I've seen little good evidence that additives or sweeteners consumed within regulatory guidelines have negative health impacts. We shouldn't be eating them all the time, but as part of a diverse diet. There is little to suggest meat substitutes are bad for our health. In fact, some can be a nutritional plus. Food processing could alleviate malnutrition for billions. Meat substitutes are mostly targeted at wealthy consumers, but the implications of a backlash to processed food are just as harmful for people with less money, if not more so. More food processing, not less, could improve health and nutrition in developing countries. Billions of people in the world suffer from hidden hunger. They don't get enough of the micronutrients that are necessary for good health. The preferred way to address this would be for them to eat a more diverse diet. That's a nice pipe dream, but it's decades away. These billions can't afford a healthy, balanced diet even if they spend all of their income on food. The goal is to make sure their incomes rise, but this will take time. What are we going to do in the meantime? Accept that billions are left malnourished and billions of children will never reach their potential? We could solve this problem quickly and cheaply with more food processing. Simply add micronutrients to staple foods. Micronutrient fortification, the addition of key vitamins and minerals to foods such as flour, salt, bread, and cereals, is incredibly cost-effective. It can cost mere cents or a few dollars per person per year to move from a diet that meets an individual's energy needs, eating cheap staples that are high in calories, to a nutritionally complete or healthy diet will cost someone at least a few dollars per day. Micronutrient fortification would cost just a few dollars per person per year. This is also true of meat and dairy products. In richer countries, we consume a lot of meat, and most people could easily cut back. Poorer countries eat very little meat, if any. Without nutritious alternatives, eating more animal products might actually be good for health. The problem is that meat is expensive, economically as well as environmentally. It's hard to get cheap meat without sacrificing welfare and environmental standards. So, we face a dilemma. Increasing meat consumption for those with lower incomes would improve nutrition, but result in a larger environmental footprint. But if meat substitutes become cheaper, we have the opportunity to make low-cost, high-quality protein available for everyone. People will be able to improve their nutrition long before they can afford to buy more meat. What's even more promising is that consumers in low- and middle-income countries seem to be more accepting of meat alternatives. We don't have a lot of data on these markets, but large surveys across China, India, and the U.S. suggest that Chinese and Indian consumers would be much more likely to buy plant-based substitutes and lab-grown meat than Americans. I'm all for a predominantly whole food diet, but used in the right way and in moderation, processed foods can be a big boon for global nutrition. Stigma against them hinders such efforts, so rather than shunning food processing, 
we should embrace it in the appropriate contexts. It's not the process, it's what we add that matters. I'm not here to defend ultra-processed foods or big food corporations. They've hijacked our food system in many ways and have created a plethora of health problems. But we need to stop throwing all processed foods into one group. The problem is not the process itself, it's what we add and how we do it. We can use processing to enhance nutrition or hinder it. We can embrace it where it adds value and boycott it where it doesn't. The backlash against food processing is a luxury that the world can't afford to embrace. It's not good for people or the planet. Nutritionally sound processed foods are one of many tools that will help nourish billions without destroying the environment. Make sure to check out our other Wired podcasts. Today in Wired Business, we look at the collapse of FTX that has set off a chain reaction that threatens to topple one of crypto's oldest and most well-respected institutions. Checking in on Wired Science, Pliocene-like monsoons are returning to the American Southwest. And on Wired Security, Iran's protests reveal what's lost if Twitter crumbles. Listen to these stories and more at wired.com podcasts. Thanks for listening to Wired. Check back in tomorrow to hear more stories from wired.com. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.